comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Great to be with you tonight. The Bible says they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeared before God. Every time we have an opportunity to assemble at the feet of Christ is an opportunity for us to grow from strength to strength and from grace to grace. And so I have no doubt that in this service, God is set to meet you. Once again, I want to welcome you to our midweek discovery service. This is specifically designed to be a blessing to you. And so you warmly welcome. If you are new to our YouTube channel, make sure that you subscribe and click on notifications. And then if you are on Facebook, I want to encourage you. Just start a watch party right away and share the link with as many people as possible. Shall we please bow down our heads and get into the word of God right away. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight. We bless you for assembling us together on this platform. Thank you for the privilege of sharing fellowship in your word. Your word has power to change us. Your word has power to challenge us. Your word has power to move us from glory to glory. Let this be the experience of everyone tuning to this broadcast at this time or watching thereafter. I honor you and I bless you that no one hooked to this broadcast will ever remain the same. I give you praise, Spirit of God, that your help is my portion. Thank you for clarity of thought. Thank you for instant wisdom, instant knowledge. And thank you, Lord, that your word goes forward with precision and accuracy. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. Great. You can type in the comment box a big amen so I can know that you are right there with me. Come with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And those of you who have been part of the teachings from the time we started, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 has been the focus of our teaching. The broad teaching is followers of God. Followers of God. That is the title of our teaching. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. We said that Jesus came looking for followers. Along the line, there were some people who came into his life and they ended up as fans. So, we started by looking at, are you a fan or a follower? That was the very beginning of the teaching. And we looked at who fans are, but for the past month, we've been focusing on who true followers are. There are false followers and there are true followers. The false followers are those we describe as fans. And you remember that in the book of Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, Jesus parted company with false followers. They were described in the Gospels as the multitudes. And straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So, Jesus sent the multitudes away, but constrained, forced, and compelled the disciples to go ahead of him into the ship while they traveled to the other side. Why would Jesus compel one group and drive away another group? 
Why would Jesus force one group and relieve another group of their services? We said that it was because the disciples are unique attributes. They had such traits that Jesus wanted and demanded from people he wanted to describe as his followers. What were some of these attributes? We started by saying that they were, number one, decisive. The disciples were decisive. They had made up their mind to follow the Lord and nothing could make them turn back. Are you decisive in your work with God? Have you made up your mind that you are going all out to Jesus? Are you still in a valley of indecision? Or God is one of the goals you are using. You come to him when there is a need. The Bible says, Daniel purpose in his heart. I will not defile myself with a portion of the king's meat. Once Daniel made his allegiance and pledged his loyalty to God, he was not going to give in to any other God. So when they wanted him to bow, he said, I won't bow. And his colleagues, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also took the same stand. And God honored them. Be decisive. Make sure that you are all out. And you are all out for God alone. Number two, we said they are deep. Disciples are deep. True disciples are not shallow. They are not shallow in their love. They are not shallow in their commitment. They are not shallow in anything. They are deep. They understand what it means to go all out for God in sacrifices. The Bible said, gather my sins unto me. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. True disciples know how to serve God sacrificially. They are not convenient Christians. They are all-time Christians. Whether it's good, bad, ugly, whatever. They are not fair-weather Christians. They are all-weather Christians. I pray that you become an all-weather Christian. Number three, we said true disciples are doers. This is a generation of talkers. We believe in faith confession and we make a lot of confessions. But these confessions are not becoming realities in our lives because we are hardly putting the things we confess to practice. The Bible says faith without works is dead. We must not only confess the word of God. Most importantly, we must not take note of the word of God only, but we must be doers of the word of God. God's word principally was given to us to do and not just to know. You must always remember that God's word comes to you so you do it and not just to know it or brag about it today want to step it up and move on to the fourth attribute of true followers and that can be found in acts chapter 2 verse 42 acts chapter 2 verse 42 acts chapter 2 verse 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer they devoted themselves. That is a new international version. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. That was it. And you can almost get it for yourself. We are looking at devotion. True followers are devoted. True followers are devoted. You cannot be a true follower of Christ if you are not solely and wholeheartedly devoted to God. It takes devotion to be a true follower. The word devotion, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, is to give oneself time, attention, entirely to a particular activity, pursuit, cause, or a person. That is according to the American Heritage Dictionary. To devote is to give yourself, your time, attention, entirely to a person, an activity, a pursuit, or a cause. That's what it means to be devoted. This is grammatical explanation or grammatical definition number two to be devoted according to the same dictionary is to be set apart for a specific purpose or use to be set apart for a specific purpose or use 
And that, I believe, is consistent with what the Bible says in the book of 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 to 21. But in the great heart, not only verses of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. But if a man shall therefore purge himself from these, the Bible said he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. That, I believe, is consistent with American heritage definition of what it means to devote. That is grammar. Now, we want to look at scripture. What it means to be devoted scripturally. And I'll share with you about four things. One, to be devoted is to be sold out to God in love. To be sold out to God in love. The Bible says of the disciples, Matthew 19, 27. Then Peter said, see, we have left all to follow you. We have left all to follow you. It talks about devotion. They left everything to follow the Lord. What have you left to follow God? You must understand that following God would demand that you leave some things. There are a lot of people who want to follow God and they are not willing to leave anything. They don't want to leave their past life behind. They don't want to leave their old girlfriends behind. They don't want to leave their liquor bottles behind. They still want to hang out to a lot of things. Listen, you cannot follow God without being ready and willing to leave some things behind. Some friends... Some of them may be your old school mates. But as long as they are not your Bible mates, you have to learn to leave them behind. Some of them may be your colleagues at work. You have to let them to leave them behind. To be devoted is to be sold out in love to God. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 38, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. This is the first and great commandment. So, the first and great commandment is to be devoted. Give your love to God. Your love, your affection, every part of your being, your mind, your soul. Sell it out to God in love. That's what it means to be devoted. Number two, to be devoted is to show great love, commitment, and unflinching loyalty to God, a person, or a cause. To be devoted is to show great love, commitment, unflinching loyalty to God, a person, or a cause. When you see a person who knows how to demonstrate love, commitment, and unflinching loyalty to God, or a person, or a cause, that person can be described as a devotee. A devotee shows great love. A devotee shows great commitment. A devotee has unflinching loyalty to whoever he or she is devoted to. And I cannot find any better example in scripture than to look at the woman Ruth. In the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 15 to 17, you remember Ruth, the in-law of Naomi. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, take note, that's the language of love. That's the language of commitment and that's the language of loyalty. He says, for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. He said, where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more so if anything but death part you and me. That's devotion. Devotion. Ruth was devoted to Naomi. She had not come just to marry Naomi's sons. No. She had come to marry the whole family. She was devoted to the family. I married your son. Your son is dead. But listen, 
My love for your son, I carry that same love to you. That is devotion. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Now listen, you cannot claim God is your God when God's people are not your people. When we come to look at core areas of devotion for true followers, you come to see some of these details. He said, your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die is where I will die also. That is devotion. May you be devoted to God like that. Some of us are only with God because things are good. When things get tough, we we'll just abandon him. Just like Job's wife. He says, uh, look at the way God has treated you. Curse him and die. Job spoke and said, you are speaking like one of those foolish women. I hope we are not committed to God in a foolish manner. Where, when things are okay, we are with God. When things are not convenient, we just abandon God. No. A devoted person, a person who is devoted to God, is committed to God through and through. Through and through. They go all out. Nothing can ever come between them and their commitment to God. That is devotion. Number three. To be devoted is to consecrate, dedicate, and pledge oneself in total and absolute surrender to God. A devotee is totally surrendered to God. He has surrendered everything. Have you surrendered all? Sometimes you can sing the song, I surrender all, I surrender all, I surrender all, until God comes asking for that which we love, that which is precious to us. May I ask you tonight, have you truly surrendered all? Have you surrendered your checkbook? Have you surrendered your heart? Have you surrendered your time? Or there are some areas of your life that are no-go areas for God. You cannot claim to be a true disciple when some part of your life have been kept away from God. You cannot claim that you are devoted to your wife. When your wife cannot access your phone, she picks your phone and there's a fight. It means that that phone has not been surrendered. And I pray that nothing will come between you and God. You will surrender your life absolutely and totally before God. The Bible said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, now that your spirits are saved, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present, surrender your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, don't be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now listen, God does not demand partial surrender. He does not demand 50-50 surrender. He demands absolute and total surrender. And when we lay it on the altar, we lay it all before God. There is no telling what God can do with our lives. I pray that the grace to surrender the whole of your life, every aspect of your life. Surrender the music you listen to. Surrender the places you go. Surrender your entertainment. Surrender your friends. Surrender your pleasure time. Everything. The Bible says, whatsoever we do, we should do all to the glory of God. That is the way a devoted person or a devoted Christian lives. A devoted Christian lives his life in such a way that in everything he does, glory and honor comes to God and God alone. I pray that the grace of God to live a totally surrendered life to God will be your portion. If you believe that, just type in the comment box a big amen. That's critical. When I think about total surrender, particularly the context of consecration, dedication, and pledging oneself in absolute and total surrender to God, I think of the Old Testament vow of the Nazarites. You know, in the Old Testament, if you were a Nazarite, you took a vow. 
And when you took that vow, you took the vow to separate yourself, consecrate yourself, pledge yourself unto God and God alone. There were things you were not supposed to do. You remember something? Something was one of such people. He took the vow of a Nazarite. He was born a Nazarite from his mother's womb. And that vow demanded that he separated himself from everything that will come between him and his covenant with God. I pray that the grace of God not to desecrate your commitment and your dedication to God. May that grace rest upon you tonight. Number four, to be devoted is to become addicted to God and his kingdom. And you know that that has been our focus for this year. Kingdom added. Our greeting is kingdom added. God is first in my life. Kingdom added. Supernatural addition is my birthright and your birthright. And that's what we've been focusing on all through the year. 2020 is our year of kingdom addiction. Giving God first place in our lives. And that cannot be done until we are devoted to God. Devotion to God demands that we become addicted to God and his kingdom. God is number one. God is number two. God is topmost on the list. Nobody comes before him. Is God first in your life? I know that in this year, when we greet, you are quick to respond, God is first in my life. But truly ask yourself, is God first in your life? Do you give him the first fruits? Do you give him the best of your time? Do you give him the best of your life? Or life is just going on as usual. You are just using the greeting as a cliche. God is first in my life. God is first in my life. You have to be true to your confession. The Bible says, let your nay be nay and your yea be yea. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what the scripture said. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I don't know what all these things mean to you. But when God becomes a priority in your life, the material things of this life become added to you. I pray that as you make that commitment and that devotion, things that you have sought for, things you have desired, things you prayed for, things that you strongly desire, but you have even yet to communicate them in prayer to God, may God deliver them to you in Jesus' precious name. We see that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that is the first fruit of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I like the King James. The King James says that, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, as I get ready to close, let me introduce you to core areas of devotion by true followers. And I'll just touch on a few of them today, maybe two. And they'll continue the rest. Core areas of devotion by true followers. What are the areas where true followers are devoted? What are the areas our devotion to God and to the things of God and to the things of the kingdom must be seen? The first place where our devotion must be directed is devotion to God. Devotion to God. Devotion to God. Now, devotion to God comes before all other devotions. We may be devoted to a church. We may be devoted to giving. We may be devoted to serving in the house of God. But I want you to appreciate that devotion to God comes first. You know, God is such that he always put premium on our relationship with him. I think in one aspect of this series, that our relationship with God must always have preeminence over our responsibilities towards God. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 23 verse 26, My son, give me your heart. Now take note. He didn't say, my son, give me your money. Some people are in a hurry to give God their money. They are in a hurry to give God their energy by serving and doing things in the house of God. Some people are quick. 
to give God their time. Some people are quick to give God their intelligence, their gifts. But the first and the foremost thing that God needs and demands from you is neither of those. It's your heart. Your heart. Your heart. Because your heart is the hardest of your life. Your heart is the control board of your life. The Bible said, out of our heart are the issues of life. God wants to be in charge of your heart. Whoever controls your heart actually controls your life. Whoever rules in your heart rules your life. Is God the ruler of your heart? Or sometimes it's pleasure. Some of us is money. Anytime we have a good offer, we move. So you can be in a city where you have been planted in a good church. Your spiritual life is under ascendancy. And then all of a sudden a company comes and gives you a higher offer. How many of us can decline that offer? Because we want to stay in a place where our spiritual life will be nourished. And not a place where necessarily we will just necessarily make more money and go down spiritually. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. You know, God's problem with Solomon is that in his old age, his heart left God. I pray that your heart will never leave God. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. In Matthew 22 verse 37 where we read earlier, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Take note. All your mind, all your soul. This is the first. Somebody say first. You can type in the comment box first. This is the first. Anytime the first becomes second, crisis becomes a natural order of a day. The first must be first. The first must always be first. None of us want to play a second role. But most of the time, we want to give God a second position. He demands first place in our lives. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. I like the example of the Macedonian church. Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He was talking actually about giving and he was using the example of the Macedonian church to encourage and inspire the Corinthian church to honor their commitment and their pledge to give. And I like what he said. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 to 5. Let's read it briefly. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness according to their power, their ability, yes, and beyond their ability. Look at what he says. They were freely willing. Verse 4. He says, employing us that with much agency that would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. Verse 5. And I would want you to read that with me. Not only as we had hoped, but they first, take note of the word they first, they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of the Lord. They gave themselves to God first. They gave themselves first. Before you give yourself to the church to serve, give yourself to God. Before you give yourself to a pastor to serve under his ministry, give yourself to God. Because you see, when you will give ourselves to God and we are sold out to God, we are able to deal with the imperfections of the systems we belong to. But when we have not given ourselves wholly to God, when we give ourselves to a system, to a person, and we become exposed to the weaknesses and the imperfections in the person, we become disappointed and we go back on our commitment. That's why your first and primary commitment must be to God. 
be committed to God? Is it bad to be committed to a church? No. Is it bad to be committed to the choir? No, not at all. Is it bad to be committed to a service unit in the church, to the ushering, or to the prayer unit? Not at all. But first things first. Your commitment must first go to God. The Bible said the Macedonian church gave because they gave themselves to God. I have said it repeatedly that people who struggle to give have a difficulty giving themselves to God. When your heart is truly given to God, giving money is not a challenge. Tight is not a debate. First fruit is not a fight at all. The moment you give, when you are sold out to God, everything you have and all, the Bible says where a person's treasure is, that's where his heart will be. When our heart is with God, our treasures will go to God. Jesus demanded love and loyalty from Peter before assigning him a responsibility. That was the first thing he demanded. He said, do you love me more than this? Do you love me? And he repeated it three times. And you know, three is the number of God. Three times. Three times. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There are three that bear record in heaven. The, the blood, the Spirit, and the Word. And these three are one. Three times out of the mouth of two or three, every word is established. Three times, do you love me more than this? Before Peter was handed over the responsibility of leading the church, Jesus had to affirm his love and loyalty. And I believe that's a great example for all leaders. Leaders must not be quick to assign people responsibilities until their love for God and their loyalty is proven and tested. And that is always key. And the loyalty and the faithfulness of people are not proven in fair weather situations, no. Usually they are shown up in times of crisis. And I pray that you will be that devoted to God in that sense. May you be truly devoted to God. May God play first role or have first place in your life. The second area where our devotion must be directed is God's word. And we are going to continue from here. God's word, God's word, God's word. If you look at Acts chapter 2 verse 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the first thing that appears there, they devoted themselves to the word the apostles teaching. The word. They were devoted to the word. In our generation, people are committed to all kinds of things. It's amazing some of the things Christians are committed to. A Christian who will not read his Bible has an anointing oil that he carries and travels everywhere with. And sometimes I'm amazed. I believe in the power of the anointing oil. But listen. If there is no word in your heart, the anointing oil will bear no fruit in your life. You need to be rooted in the word of God. The Holy Spirit is not in the oil. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And you operate in you the more of the word of God, the greater place you give to the word of God in your life. The word of God must have supreme place in your life. They devote themselves to the teaching of the word of God. The teaching of the word of God. A person's devotion is usually tested when they come under a lot of pressure. When they come under a lot of pressure. That's when you really get to know what people's true commitment and true values are. Usually we don't see what people's values and commitment truly are unless they are under pressure. And we saw it. The apostles came under pressure. The church began to grow in the book of Acts. And then the Bible says they came under pressure. Let's read it briefly as I get ready to close. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 to 4. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. 
Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Take note, we should leave the word of God. And most of the time, the many distractions around you, the many things that are vying for your time and seeking your attention, the primary focus is to get you off the word. Because Satan knows when he gets you off the word, he's got you out. Once he can get you out of the word, they overcame him by the blood and the word. So when he gets you out of the word, he weakens your strength. He destroys your ability to deal with him. When Jesus was confronted on the mount after fasting and prayer, how did he overcome by the word? So when the word is not given the pride of place in your life, there's no way you can walk in victory. There's no way you can live a victorious life. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without the word, your faith is not in place. And when faith is not in place, you have no shield against the devil in times of crisis. The crisis began and they came under serious pressure. Leave the word of God and serve tables. But these guys knew that the word of God could not be left. And so the Bible says, they quickly decided to appoint people. Look at verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good report, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint ourselves and are like their commitment, their devotion. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Continually to prayer. Listen, God's word only delivers for people who continually give themselves to it. Will you give yourself to the word of God today? Give yourself. Give yourself to the word. Until you give yourself to the word of God, you will never enjoy the dividends the word carries. Give yourself to the word. Give yourself to the word. Give yourself to the word. Martha chose that but. Martha was so concerned with a lot of things, serving and serving. Jesus said, sitting to listen is more important than serving. We must learn to sit with God before we can stand and serve him well. A lot of people are in a hurry to serve. Few are quick to sit. We must learn to sit. Before Jesus stood to preach, he sat in the midst of the teachers, listening and hearing them teach. Listen, until we learn to sit and soak the word, we can never serve God effectively and profitably. Never forget that. Until you learn to sit and soak God's word, you can never serve God effectively and profitably. I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. And I pray that you will learn from today to be devoted to God, to be devoted to his word in all areas of your life. You are blessed. If you are tuned into this broadcast, you are not born again, you don't say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to the Lord. Why don't you just pray this simple prayer of faith with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I call upon you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and making me your own today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, I want you to know without a shadow of doubt, Jesus has taken residence in your heart. You are saved. You are born again. You are now a child of God. Walk in the consciousness that you are a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Share your testimony of salvation with us so we can reach out to you and help you develop and grow in your work with God. Send us a message and let us share deeper and intimate fellowship with you. God richly bless you. Pastor of 
Farquhar has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages, as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. Second service 8.15 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. Third service 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service with our first service 5.45 p.m. to 7 p.m. Second service 7.15 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasi Runabout, Kumasi. God richly bless you. Oh,